Patrick, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash off is the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do with the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? I thought I'd try to pump everybody up because tonight's game's a little deflated. Hopefully we get some action we don't expect, but we're here to get you guys pumped up either way for week six. We got some monster matchups. We got a monster guest. Theo's got a monster Drake. I don't know if it's a monster, but... No, 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 it's not. It's a it's a very boring seltzer water. It's just the lemon-lime flavor. I, I, I forgot mine in the fridge. I'll have to grab it, but let, let's get right to the goodness. Theo... Walk this man in proper. He's he's a regular in the GOAT district. We love his work at, at Draft Sharks. Get our man Jared in here. So I'm, I'm happy to have Jared Smola back in back in the, the GOAT district. Um, he's been on a number of times. He's one of our favorite guests because he's very, very, very sharp in his process. You can ask Jared any single question. He's going to be able to answer it. He's very, very good with start situations. Some of his draft targets every year. If, if Jared puts the stamp of approval on a guy, that's a guy you really want to consider drafting. Two seasons ago, the Draft Sharks had their comeback player of the year was Cooper Cup. That was very much Jared pounding the table for him. This season, there was a lot of love for Saquon Barkley and the Draft Sharks. That was another Jared one. The Draft Sharks have a number of very sharp uh, guys. Um, Jared is one of them. Um, we've had a lot of these Draft Sharks on, and uh, it's, it's tremendous every time we have one of the Draft Sharks community in the GOAT district. So, Welcome back, Jared. Happy to have you on. Thanks for having me back, guys. Love getting on with you guys. I, I always learn stuff from, from you guys, too. So love love talking ball with you guys. Want to start out just quickly asking you, you've got to be super excited. You're, you're, you're up in western New York. Bill's playing the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. Maybe the game of the year. What's your prediction for the game? Uh, maybe, maybe give us a, your predicted winner and also maybe a couple things for us to look for in fantasy. I think on paper, the Bills are just clearly a better team. And I, I think the fact that they're favored in Kansas City is like, you know, the Vegas bookmakers kind of saying that that's the case. Now, betting against Mahomes, especially at home, is a little scary. Um, but I think the Bills win pretty comfortably, like maybe, maybe by, like, by, by a touchdown. That's what I predicted the other night. Um, we all kind of went around the horn. And the Patrick Mahomes stat is he's six wins, zero losses, and one push as an underdog. Yeah. So I think the bills end that streak this weekend. And then plus, we plus they have the, they have the short week, right? we got to remember Casey coming yeah, off a true. bit of a short week, a big game too, you know, Devonte Adams pushing, pushing reporters around and stuff. So it's, it's pretty messy in that game. That game was wild, right? That was fun. Um, we, we also asked a, qu- a couple of questions basically with this game, most of our Kansas city and Buffalo players, it's pretty much auto starts. It's easy to figure out. 
The one player who's had weird splits this year is Devin Singletary. He's had two big games, well, relatively big games, and they were both in, in, game, in games where the Bills went right down to the wire. It was the Miami loss, and it was the Baltimore win. Devin Singletary helped you a lot, um, especially in the Miami game. He, he had a, a, a career high in, in receptions. And then the Baltimore game, he maybe give you, gave you about 100 combined yards. Do you think he's a guy that we should have in our lineup every week? Or are you trying to use him as a matchup-based play? So, to me, the, the snap rate thing, how his snap rates have been down in those few games, that to me it looks like that's clearly because they were blowing the opponent out in those games and they just pulled him. I mean, they pulled Josh Allen in both the Titans and Steelers games as well. So, I, I'm not sure it's like, you know, only play Singletary in games that are super close. Like, I think as long as it's not a blowout, that he's going to be, you know, a 70, 75% snap rate guy. So, um, and th- this is obviously a great spot for him. It obviously should be a competitive game. Uh, the Chiefs are 29th in adjusted points allowed to running back. So I have Singletary ranked like RB 22 this week for full PPR. So I think in most cases you're, you're going to be starting him. Yeah, I know we're, we're big fans of Devin Singletary on the GOAT district. And um, it's a guy we usually try to break ties with. There's a couple guys in that game that are younger players. We saw Khalil Shakir break out last week. Um, he looked very, very good to me. Yeah. Sky Moore is getting a little more playing time. And then the two young running backs, James Cook and Isaiah Pacheco. If you could pick one of those guys to have on your 20-man roster leagues um, just for the rest of the season, which one would it be? Uh, Sky Moore for me because the Chiefs need someone to step up, right? I mean, Juju and MVS have been – Totally disappointing. We have seen Sky Moore's route rates climb each week, or at least the past few weeks. He was up to, I think, 35%, which is you know, still not a mark we can use him at. But I would not be surprised if you see him get to, you know, 50, 60% in this game against against Buffalo. And then, you know, if he climbs from there, he's suddenly usable. So um, Moore would be the guy for me. Um, I'm intrigued by Shakir, too. I'm curious to see. I'm going to be watching closely how those uh, slot snaps are split between Shakir and McKenzie, you know, a week ago, I kind of thought McKenzie once he cleared the protocol would be the every down slot guy, but Shakir looked so good in that game last week. And Allen made, you know, that one throw down the seam to Shakir, like that's a trust throw that Allen clearly showed that he trusts this rookie already to, to make that back shoulder throw, you know, a couple defenders around him. Um, so I think Shakir, um, you know, might, might stick into a pretty big role the rest of the way here. Yeah, JD. A lot of people. A lot of people have been on the Sky Moore uh, response. It's the obvious one, but I think Shakir is like the sneaky one. And so let me let me ask let me ask you guys this. I I'm in the uh, I've got one of these Triflex uh, Dino teams that are not doing too well right now. So I'm being offered. I've got Brady as a quarterback, and I put it out there that I might be you know looking at some Reno moves. I'm being offered Shakir and a third for Tom Brady. This is Superflex Triflex. If, do you think Tom Brady's playing next season? Probably not, right, that, I guess? Well, that's what it would come down to for me because I feel like in the triflex format where you're a super flex, Brady's always kind of underrated. I guess um, the question I, is, can I get more? That's it. Or would you try to get more? That's the question, I guess. Sh- I, Shakir in a second. Now you're talking because that second is going to be pretty valuable. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I think I'm with that. Shakir in a second would be enough to get it done. See, um, JD, did, did you say, are you? is that team competing or is it more rebuild? It is, is one of those where I, yeah, it's, it's probably looking to, to next year if I'm being honest with okay. it. And that's, that's kind of how I built it. I just thought yeah. I threw Brady in as a maybe, and then I thought I could move him. you know, kind of the way I'm doing yep. it now. So yeah. 
Yeah, I think Shakir in a second would be fine. I mean, it always never hurts to shop him around further and see if he can get better, but I think that'd be a decent deal. Nice. Brady always – it's always somebody just steals Brady in these in these dynasty yeah. leagues for, like, nothing because he's so old. And the calculators right. just can't understand him. That's funny. The calendars. They're like, he's worth literally zero because he's 45. Um, yeah. keep, keep the games going. I'll, let's start with tonight. Tonight's kind of a – let's call it a, uh, an underwhelming Thursday night game. None of us would pick this game if, if we were going to pick the one game back in prime time. I mean, tonight should be Buffalo, Kansas City. We would all be tilting out. I know. Um, it would be incredible. The whole country would be watching. But tonight, there'll be certainly a lot less eyes on that, on the Commanders' Bears, than the, than the Chiefs' Bills. Uh, I asked this question to Mike Leone earlier. How concerned should Terry McLaurin managers be right now? He's wide receiver 31 on the year. Mm-hmm. The Washington Commanders have the third most pass attempts in the entire league, and McLaurin hasn't had yeah. a double-digit target all year. Where are you at on McLaurin, and how concerned should people be? Yeah, 16% target share for McLaurin, I think it is. You know, he, he, Like you said, he's wide receiver 31. He's actually overachieved based on his usage. He's not even wide receiver 31 in terms of you know, expected fantasy points based on the targets and where they've come. Um, I'm, con- I'm concerned. I mean, I, Carson Wentz seems like his first and second read is, is Curtis Samuel. Um, and I, I just you know, haven't seen – even – I mean, last week was a ideal spot for Terry McLaurin. No Jahan Dotson a Titan secondary that's bad and has especially struggled against deep passes. I played McLaurin all over my DFS lineups. So tilting to see De'Ami Brown get the, the two long touchdowns. Um, I, I, I consider McLaurin a wide receiver three going forward. You know, he's not useless, but I don't think he's going to pay off, you know, uh, his ADP. JD wide receiver three for you, McLaurin. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Every time we we talk about the commanders, I just think I don't know about you guys. I just think about how many drafts this offseason you saw Curtis Samuel at the bottom. Ugh. And I remember thinking, I'm gonna fucking regret this, you know, not taking him every single time. And sure enough, he's he's popping. So um yeah, McLaurin, I mean, I was never totally on him just just because maybe it's the Washington. Obviously, he's talented. I just don't like the situation mm-hmm. there. And now you've got, you got you know, I hate to use the pun, but more mouth to feed, right? Because Samuel becomes a factor. You've got uh, Dotson. You've got so many factors there. Um, I, it's for the price he was going at, especially, I think you, you got to be disappointed. Maybe he's maybe he's a buy low. I don't know. Uh, going in the second half of the season, especially Theo says they're three at, at chucking the ball. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. eventually it's got to go his way. So for me, like, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, like, I agree, I agree with Jared. Like, Curtis Samuel seems to not only have Carson Wentz's eye, but it seems like the coaching staff wants to use him. It's the low A dot looks, the manufactured rushing. You know, good thing, nothing bad happens when you get the ball to Samuel. Um, so it's kind of a little bit risk averse. Well, they, they paid him two, two years ago, didn't they? And then he got injured. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're mm-hmm. still, they still want to reap off of that investment. And that's where I think, you know, now on top of that, he's gelling. So it's hard for the other guys to get in there. It's Ron, Ron Rivera's guy. Um, keep it going here. Uh, to write down the games, uh, slate San Francisco goes into Atlanta this weekend. 49ers are three and two Falcons are two and three. One thing that was kind of interesting last weekend was the use of Tevin Coleman. Seems like Jeff Wilson's snaps went down a little bit. Do you think that this is something you're going to see um, where they're trying to work in a second running back, either Coleman or, you know, when Davis Price, when he comes back mm-hmm. or, you know, Elijah Mitchell down the way, do you think that's something that they want to do in San Francisco? Yeah, I actually landed a ton of Tevin Coleman 
and and waivers last night in FFPC. Actually, more than I thought I was going to. I didn't really bid aggressively for him, but I got him a bunch for you know, like 40, 50 bucks. Um, he looked good to me last week. Maybe yeah. it's the fresh legs thing. Like, you know, it was, it was his you know, first game of the year, but he looks good. He's obviously familiar with the system. Um, I, I'm not expecting him to be usable behind a healthy Jeff Wilson. Like, I think the amount of work he got last week was kind of his ceiling behind a healthy Wilson. And, you know, the, the Niners had a big lead in the game. So they were, I think, able to get Tevin Coleman in there. But I mean, to me, Coleman right now is one Wilson injury away from the lead job there, because I don't know if they trust Ty Davis price. It does look like he's going to be back this week, but I think, you know, like we said, Shanahan trusts Tevin Coleman. I think if Wilson went down that uh, Coleman would be the lead guy, at least until Eli Mitchell gets back. Yeah, and one thing about Wilson, he's, he hasn't ever played more than 12 games in a season. So I get that he looks really, really good. Got a question for you both. Do you think that it also mixing in the second back kind of affects uh, Debo Samuel getting the manufactured touches as well? Or is that something to worry about for Debo yeah. managers? Yeah, so he only has two carries in each of the last two games now. Um, now, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Like, we want him getting targets more so than carries. And I think he's – you know, and less of an injury risk getting targets than, you know, running up the middle. Uh, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, Samuel's sitting on like a 26% target share or whatever. So he's getting good volume in the passing game. I'm fine with it. I mean, get, you know, give me one or two carries out of Debo. I don't really want him carrying eight times a game. And and let's remember, it's not like Kittle's getting too many of the targets, right? So that shift that you're talking about, Theo, it totally makes sense, right? Running back comes in, especially they got someone fresh like Coleman. Now they don't have to throw Debo in as many big contact uh, situations right. which they're going to try to avoid after all the money they dumped on them. So I, I think that it, it what you're it fits perfectly with what you're describing, and that's probably why you know unfortunately you you hope Kittle comes back this season. What do you guys think with Kittle? Is he dead? Is this is there, are we going to see a shift back to Kittle? What, what's the deal with a you know a top three tight end coming into the season? I, th- I I'd consider buying low on Kittle right now, and he, I, I was lower than consensus on Kittle preseason because i had these volume concerns well let's let's um, give you some props real quick jared the tight end that you encouraged people to draft this summer when you were on the goat district is another jared smola hit it was dallas goddard you yeah. were on him adam krautwurst was on him and matt was on him the draft sharks were all over dallas goddard and you guys should get should should get some credit for that one you were you had dallas goddard ahead of george kittle in your rankings yep. when almost every other website had the flip side so you guys should get a nice little hat tip for that one yeah, it's been nice. Uh, that's you know, I've I've had plenty of misses, but Goddard's been a hit. Um, but yeah, don't talk no, about the misses. Don't talk about <laughs> I the misses. won't. I won't. I won't. Um, you know, Kittle's Kittle's route rates have been where we want. He's been at eighty six percent of the routes in all three games. So it, it is his problem has not been that he's blocking too much. He's out there. He just hasn't seen the targets yet. I think he's seen like a seventeen percent target share, whereas in the past he's been like you know twenty one, twenty two, twenty three percent. Um, I think that'll come around a bit. Like, I'm not sure he's going to get back to 23% target share, but I think he's going to get more volume if he continues running those routes. You know, to me, he's he's still like a top six fantasy tight end. I don't think I could name more than six guys I'd rather have than George Kittle. So, again, if if you can get him for cheap, I would I would see if you could do that right now. And everyone else has been so disappointing that there's exactly. a lot of opportunity for him to move up. So exactly. Yeah, and I think that Kittle also having – leaving the very bad taste in people's mouths – um, where it was the, the Rams game, it was, it was the, the national game, and everybody was expecting more, and you know, that, that getting the, the, low, the low fantasy total. I think you, your buying window is still there no matter what happens, uh, at least in, unless he has a smash game to kind of offset it. Mm-hmm. I think people still remember that one really bad one. Uh, quick quick uh, thoughts on, on Tyler Algier. Last week he got 14 carries. He's a little bit boring. He didn't get a target. 
the, the, the he faces another difficult defense this week in San Francisco, um, but they're in Atlanta. Do you have any hopes for him, or are you kind of just a little bored with him? Yeah, I'm not excited about Ozier. I think he's an unexciting player in a bad offense. That's you know, it, it, it's it's still a three way committee there, right? Caleb Huntley got involved, Avery Williams got involved, stole the touchdown. Um, I I would hope he could do better than Ozier. I mean, he's like a low end RB three to me. I'd I'd rather like I'd rather start Brian Robinson tonight than Tyler Ozier on Sunday. Yeah, I'd rather start a lot of these um, RB three types. I'd rather start Rashad White. I'd rather yeah, start like a number of these guys. Um, and I think also Algier uh, gets a little more credit in the fantasy community because he's got the cool last name. If it was sure. like Tyler Jones, nobody would be that excited <laughs> about him. Totally. totally. Uh, that's funny. New England, Cleveland this weekend. David Njoku has started mm-hmm. off at a tremendous pace. Um, we had Biplop Mandel and Billy Wazowski on this past week in a high stakes roundtable. And uh, David Njoku was mentioned in, as a potential top five tight end when we, when we ranked the rest of the season. What do you think about Njoku? Can he keep up this torrid pace? Do you think there's a chance he's a top five tight end this year? I'm looking right now. I mean, I, I have him tight end seven for the rest of the season, so it's close. Um, he's eighth among tight ends in targets. He's 10th among tight ends in pass routes. And the guy looks freaking awesome, right? Like yeah. he, he's, a big, he's a big play tight end. There's not many of those. So he doesn't even need a ton of targets to pay off. So I think if you have Njoku, like he, he's just your every week starter. JD, not too much Njoku? No, I mean, he was a guy we liked late when he was going late. And then as the, we got closer to the season, he was boiling up those draft boards pretty quick, just again, with with the way the, the position sits. So you're getting your value, you know what I mean? And, and there's still upside left there. This offense is definitely uh, uh, more high-powered, I guess you could say, than we thought with Brissett uh, at quarterback. So Njoku is going to be there, especially for that shorter passing game, right, that you expect from Brissett. So I think that's a great opportunity for him, and the, the dude's talented. So it's nice to see him actually finally break out. Yeah, not too many tight ends are giving us a 20% target share, like, almost every week. So Njoku is pretty safe right now, too. One question that we asked on the High Stakes Roundtable, um, and I'm curious your thoughts. You guys, you guys draft FFPC main event teams as well. This year, Amari Cooper is wide receiver 15. It seems like he's the the he's the twenty two twenty two version of twenty twenty one Brandon Cooks, kind of an older wide receiver who we let slip in drafts because we didn't like the offensive situation, despite his previous uh, fantasy success. Do you think that Cooper keeps it up and finishes as a wide receiver too? And is there any lessons learned for you um, in terms of Amari Cooper, like how the maybe the community should have seen him in the situation a little bit different? Yeah, I think wide receiver two is doable. Um, I mean, he has seen massive target shares. He's seen a 35% plus target share in three of his five games this season. Um, and I think that's going to continue, right? Because, I mean, it's kind of it's him and Joku in that passing game. We'll see what Deshaun Watson means when we get him for the final third of the season. But, yeah, I think um, wide receiver two production is doable for Cooper the rest of the way. I guess um, Co- Cooper was a guy that would always show up higher in my rankings than I wanted him to, you know, because our rankings are fueled by the projections. And when you sat down and did Brown's projections, like you kind of had to give Cooper a big target share. So he did come out pretty high. I wish I had drafted him more than I did. Um, so I guess that's a lesson learned for me is kind of, you know, trust the target shares more. I think the other thing too, though, Jacoby Bursat's just playing better than I expected him to. Um, so I, you know, I think that's obviously helping him. Out. We had in Vegas, um, it was the last draft of the year. I remember this. I, I have a team that's doing pretty well in the NFFC primetime. 
that I drafted. It was the 7 p.m. Saturday night draft. And I'm sitting there with my buddy and we're drafting. It's a very difficult room. Wide receiver gets crushed. It's the end of the sixth round. Amari Cooper had been falling to like the late seventh all weekend. You saw him go in the eighth round of some FFPC main events. And I'm like, the wide receivers, got, I had to push him up. And I took him and I was so upset about that decision. <laughs> and it, it's like the, all of the, uh, I guess I'll have to, I'm forced to take them guys are all hitting. You could have a really nice team right now with just taking Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Josh Jacobs, and Miles <laughs> Sanders. And just like, oh, I guess I'll take those guys in rounds, you know, six through nine, every single round, yeah. you know. Um, that, but I think we, the, my takeaway, and we kind of talked with these guys was, I think maybe we were a little too upside focused in some of these rounds and mm -hmm. we're kind of ignoring these guys that are kind of safer, boring plays that, you know, have passed the volume. Yes, that's totally it. By the way, my um, guy that didn't feel good to draft, but's paying off is Tyler Higby. I actually, I have a ton of Tyler Higby. I hated it every time, but it's, it's looking good now. You're looking fantastic with the, the Higby one. Do you think he'll keep it up? I mean, he's like, Higby is so he seems so safe right now. He's like Dalton Schultz last year. Oh yeah, yeah I mean he's leading tight ends and targets. Um, I mean he's benefiting from the fact that Allen Robinson is dust because there's no one else there. It's it's Cooper and Higby. Um, I will see maybe Van Jefferson when he gets healthy. You know becomes more of a thing there, and that hurts Higby a little bit. But I yeah, I think Higby's going to be at least top ten guy the rest of the way. Yeah, it's like how can they how can they go away from him? They don't have the weapons, and and that's it's one bad. of the the safest the safest things for Stafford is just to to pass it to Higby. So, yeah. We got a, like we had a quick question from 1912 asking about uh, uh, Andrew's favorite uh, after La Quinta, Hunter Henry. <laughs> so, yeah, so his his uh, route rate spiked last week, but that was without Johnny Smith. Um, I'm not sure if Smith's going to be back this week, but I, you know, as soon as Smith is back, I'm, I'm still kind of sour on Hunter Henry, I guess. I added a couple of Hunter Henry shares um Actually, in NFFC, I had a couple teams really hurting at tight end. I thought he, he looked pretty good this, this yeah. past weekend. So I'm interested to see kind of where that goes. But there's one Patriot we have to ask you about, and it's Ramondre Stevenson. This past weekend, he had 161 yards uh, rushing. He looks fantastic. Do you, do you think that it's, it's like Ramondre season and, and he's going to keep just smashing? Or do you foresee the Patriots kind of getting back to their old ways and – trying to get some touches for these guys like Pierre Strong um, and whoever runs as the number three back. I think Stevenson's going to smash probably until Damian Harris gets back. Maybe if Ty Montgomery gets back, he might take over passing downs again. We'll see about that. Um, they, they called uh, Kevin Harris up from the practice squad today, so it's going to be those two rookies behind Stevenson on Sunday. I, I don't and think – Anything they... with J.J. – not to interrupt you, but so it's going to be Harris ahead of J.J. Taylor. Is that – that's confirmed? Because I saw the Pierre Strong stuff. Yeah, they called up Harris today. So unless they're also going to call up Taylor later in the week, but I, I kind of think it's going to be the two rookies. I was surprised. I, I thought they would call up Taylor over Harris, but um, I, I think Stevenson's going to get the vast majority of the work in that backfield on Sunday. Yeah, I added a bunch of, of Pierre Strong um, in, uh, in waiver wire runs uh, for not too much, but I kind of mm -hmm. liked his profile. We, we liked him a lot as a prospect. We talked about him in like the, the dynasty-focused uh, rookie shows we had. And then we didn't love the landing spot. But what are your thoughts on, on Pierre Strong? He just had a disappointing August, right? I feel like he was like, you know, in the doghouse. I think he was hurt for part of August. So, uh, I mean, it's encouraging that, you know, he was the other back on the active roster to begin with. I think he's 
most likely to, you know, get the touches behind Stevenson on Sunday. But again, I, I'd be surprised if he got more than like five or six touches out of, out of Pierre Strong this weekend. Shout out to Joe Carlton in the chat. Brees Hall right now is an RB1. He's RB9. And, and Damian Pierce is, is RB10. Uh, both those guys are, are just smashing. Maybe you give your, your thoughts on both rookies. I know you guys were big on Brees Hall in the preseason. Um, <laughs> but maybe share your thoughts on Brees Hall and, uh, and Damian Pierce. And follow up, do you see them both finishing as RB1s? I went on a roller coaster with Brees Hall. I was like off him right when the draft, you know, right when he was drafted and he was going like the third round. But, you know, he was going in the fifth by late August. That's when I kind of started getting my Brees Hall exposure. But I, I think Hall is an RB1 the rest of the way. He's so talented and he's getting the usage now both on the ground and the passing game. Pierce, I probably bet against him finishing top 12. But I think like top 18 is, you know, my concern is just the offense. It's a bad offense. But he's awesome, and you know, the last time we, you know, last week he dominated both carries and targets. You know, he even saw more targets than Burkhead, ran more pass routes than Burkhead. So if he's if he's getting that role, like it's you know, it's tough not to succeed as a running back if you're the lead running back, the lead runner, and you know, the lead guy in the passing game. So I think Pierce is you know at least like a higher end RB two. JD, question for you and also for Jared. Should we be talking about Brees Hall as RB1 overall in Dynasty right now? Would you oh, consider I've... moving Jonathan Taylor for Brees Hall in what, JD? What takes it to get if I if I offer you Brees Hall for your Jonathan Taylor, how much more needs to be put onto that trade off? I literally I literally looked at this the other day because I've got some <laughs> JT shares and I was and I I I trying to think if I sent it or not. I think it's a, about a second, but I don't know that it gets it done. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how the JT owner feels right now, just because it's been such a messed up season for the Colts. Um, we've had a bit of injury with with Taylor. I don't know, Jared, do you think that's enough with with a second on him? Or, or would you expect a first if you were an owner? I, I think a first is too much. Too much. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they're close. I, I, I still have JT one, but I think it's pretty damn close i think jt in a second for for brees or okay. brees in a second for jt is fair. Oh, brees, so brees is like top three right now basically you're... i i'd brees have just top have two RB for two. me yeah, yeah. Have RB two. yep nice. so my my point with brees would be like the it's the receiving ability for me yes. the guy is it's like the one thing about jonathan taylor like jonathan taylor is a capable receiver but brees hall looks like a guy who could catch 80 passes if everything yep. breaks his way Yep. And they're throwing other running backs in that offense, which which is beautiful. You know what I mean? You've got a rookie running back coming in, and now he's got that three-roll. So now does Carter now take a backseat? Is this where we kind of see that shift kind of complete where, where Brees takes over very soon? Yeah, I mean, Brees has already taken over in my mind. Like, Carter's not going away. He's still going to mix in, you know, 30, 35% of the snaps and get a handful of touches, but I, I think Hall's, Hall's the guy going forward. Yeah. Yeah, Carter vultured him this weekend, or it would have been a ridiculous stat line for for Hall. Um, yeah. One more rookie, one more rookie that is that came on in. It was uh, disappointing for Rashad Penny managers, especially mm-hmm. after one week after his huge game. But this is this is the the life we've chosen, so to speak. And he's <laughs> yeah. out, and Ken Walker is in. Yep. Ken Walker looks terrific. They were already trying to feature him in like a receiving role, even when Penny was there. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Ken Walker moving forward? And then maybe rank the three rookie running backs who you'd like to have for the rest of the season. Rank them. 
Yeah, I mean, Walker might now be in a better role than Penny was, right? Because, like, Penny had Walker and DJ Dallas or Travis Homer to deal about to deal with. You know, now it's just Walker and Dallas for now until they get Homer back. Um, so, yeah, that, that is the question with Walker is how big a role he'll play in the passing game. But I, I'm confident he's going to be a voluminous and effective runner. I mean, he was an elite rushing prospect, I thought. And, you know, the Seahawks alliance has been better than we thought. The offense in general has been much better than we thought. So it's a really good spot. Um, I would, you know, for those three rookies rest away, it's Hall pretty easily for me. Then I would lean Ken Walker over Damian Pierce. I think Pierce might be in the slightly better role, but I think, you know, Walker's in the better offense. And I, I still think he's a better player. JD, Ken Walker or Damian Pierce, if you had to pick one for your team's rest of the season? Probably Walker. I'm, I'm just trying to look. Where was Pierce taken? Third? Third round, right? Pierce was a fourth round pick. Fourth round, so that that yeah. to me that's where that's where the difference c- comes in. Uh, everything else put aside, you're talking about a two round difference with uh, capital. So usually the running backs in the first two rounds are going to get more uh, opportunity, and now we're seeing it. If he performs, man, he could be a beast. Yep. One one guy who has not been a beast lately in terms of his usage and disappointing is AJ Dillon. He was non-existent in the London game. Uh, the, the the opening game of the year. Dylan had fantastic usage. The second game of the year was okay, and it's kind of gone downhill. Are you concerned about about Dylan here, or do you think this is something they're just going to get right this weekend against the Jets? I'm concerned because I think Aaron Jones has looked much better all season. So, so I wasn't totally surprised to see the you know kind of shift in workload in uh, week five. There, Dylan played just 32 percent of the offensive snaps in week five, and you mentioned you know he had the great workload week one. Since week one, A.J. Dillon is 40th among running backs in expected fantasy points. So he has not been getting, you know, high-value touches lately. So I don't think it's going to be as big a split as we saw last week where it was, you know, like 70-30. But I I do think um, Jones is going to be the clear lead guy there the rest of the way, and I'd probably consider Dillon an RB3 going forward. Yeah, I think he's an RB3. i got to use him in some spots still, but it's been been difficult sledding because a couple of these teams were like monster zero RB type teams where maybe you drafted a Kelsey um, to go with some very good wide receivers, and then you expected Dylan to give you yeah. – I mean, I expected Dylan to be a potential top 15 running back, especially with the problems at wide receiver. So he's been one of the guys that um, has maybe had some of the most disappointing usage at running back. J.D., we have him on a main event. Yeah, I was, um, was going to say, if, if we uh, – that's definitely so far one of our misses is AJD. We just thought he'd be more – dominant i guess in that offense i don't know if we just thought jones might get injured or i I don't know you know now you look back and you think yeah with jones there it's always kind of hard but um i do want to ask theo you can you seem like you have a comment i do want to ask jared and and theo the la rams running back the backfield can we play either of these guys right now is it just a complete mess what a disaster eh? between these two Neither guy looks good. Neither guy looks good. The offensive line sucks. The offense sucks in general. Um, they, by the way, they, they mixed in Malcolm Brown last week too. I would oh, be surprised crazy. if he starts getting more and more playing time. If Akers and Henderson continue to disappoint, so I would try to stay as far away from that backfield as I could. Yeah, it's t- it's terrible. You can't use anybody if you're gonna use some. If you're gonna use a Rams running back, to me, it's the emergency one is Darrell Henderson. You playing Kevin I, Kevin Coleman or one of the Rams running back? I'm playing Darrell Henderson over, <laughs> over Coleman. Darrell Henderson will at least get some targets. He had like, yeah. you know, maybe four catches this past weekend. They didn't let him run the ball at all. It's super, super weird. Um, just getting back to the 
the the one the one argument I'll make against Aaron Jones, um, and he he looks better. I'll give you that. But for his career, his career high in carries is two hundred thirty six, mm-hmm. and then he's never had more than sixty five targets. So I think that they need to for their team to be as good as it's going to be when the playoffs come around. They've got to get Dylan back going again. Yeah. Um. Especially the. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny. You'd expect some of it like. The Giants game would have been a perfect uh, Dylan game if they would have just followed the script and stayed up from, <laughs> from halftime on, and we could have gotten a full a full fourth quarter of yeah. him just running it down their throat. But it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely a tilting one. I think I'm halfway just trying to talk my Dylan shares back into existence. No, I mean um, I, I think I think you're right. I think the Packers' plan to start the season was for it to be like a 50-50 split. But I just think, again, I think Jones has just outplayed Dylan. So at some point they just got to be like, you know, we got to start giving Jones the ball more and Dylan a bit less. One guy that we we're excited about in the Goat District, um, I know I'm I'm super excited about him is Alec Pierce. Uh, he oh, broke yeah. out last Thursday night. They play the Jaguars this week in Indianapolis. A little bit of an early revenge game for JD's Colts after the uh, the loss earlier in the year. What's your thoughts on Alec Pierce? Do you think he can be a wide receiver three? And does it concern you for your Michael for Michael Pittman teams to have another wide receiver getting you know let's call it six to eight targets every game for Pierce? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was a big Pierce guy, too, um, you know, coming in this season. I'm so happy to see him doing this. I mean, the, to me, the concern is Matt Ryan and, I guess, the offensive line, too, and just that offense in general. Like, I don't know, can that offense support two top 35 wide receivers? I'm not sure. I mean, I still think Pittman's the guy I'd rather have the rest of the way, but I don't think the gap is that big. So, um, I guess I'd, I'd consider Pierce like a wide receiver four at this point. Maybe he can creep in, into wide receiver three territory. But it's definitely exciting. He uh, – Pierce – Pierce has seen more targets per route than Michael Pittman has. You know, Pittman's just run a whole bunch more routes than Pierce, but I think Pierce is going to keep climbing as far as route participation goes. Yeah, no, for sure. We, we like him a lot, and uh, you could see his role grow. And if all he needs to do to really smash is start getting more snaps than, than Paris Campbell. Oh, my God. Because right now please. he's got the Paris Campbell block on him, yeah. which is weird. Um, but Paris Campbell won't go away with his coaching staff. And it's just like, don't do that. Don't do it, Theo. Don't compare him to Paris, please. <laughs> Paris Campbell, like I, I know two games ago, Paris Campbell was so hard, far ahead of him. And then last week it, it, it tightened up a little bit. Um, so that's one thing yeah. I'm going to look for this weekend. Do you have any concerns about Christian Kirk on the other side of the field? He had such a great start to the year. And then last yeah. week he kind of had the dud um, and they didn't really target him. It was a weird, weird game script. Right. Last week was the outlier. I think he had a 6% target share last week. Yes. He had been 20 plus percent in each of the first four games. So I think the volume's still going to be there. The issue for Kirk is Trevor Lawrence is just so inconsistent right now. Right? He, he's had like a couple of really good games, a couple of duds. So I, you know, that's going to hurt Kirk on occasion, but I do think he's going to you know, see enough volume where he's a guy you're just going to want to stick with in your starting lineup most weeks. Yeah. It's so weird to go from like 30% target share to six. Yeah. Um, especially when he's in the slot. Um, it's, it's, it's very odd. One guy JD and I were talking about in the pre-show that we each have a number of, of shares in a dynasty is Rashad Bateman. Um, I also have a, a fair amount of him in redraft. He was your guy's breakout player of the year. I'm seeing some low dynasty trades with Bateman right now. Do you have any concerns with him? I'll, I'll say the usage one, and then just the fact that he, he keeps getting injured. Yeah, the injuries thing I'm not that worried about. Um, 
you know, I, I just tend to think that stuff's pretty unpredictable. And you know, he's he's a young guy. He was he was healthy in at Minnesota too, wasn't he? I don't think he had much at Minnesota. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, so I'm not worried about that. The playing time thing was weird. Even when he was smashing early on, you know, the route rate wasn't where we want it to be for a true number of wide receiver. That That's a Greg Roman thing. Greg Roman loves his rotations at running back and wide receiver, even tight end. I mean, Mark Andrews until like two years ago, you know, was rotating way too much with Hayden Hurst and whoever else they had those years. That, that's a Greg Roman thing. I, I'd be, I have concerns about Bateman this season because of the playing time thing. Um, but in Dynasty, I'd, I'd be buying if you can right now. Yeah, we were just saying he's he's probably a buy. JD, you, what, what are you seeing with, with uh, Bateman? I mean, it, it's it's weird, right? Because last year you saw like the whole Mar- Mandrews and, and Lamar like divorce last year where it was like Mandrews <laughs> was like out there prancing, you know, at the clubs while, while Lamar was out, just if you looked at the splits. And then this year it's the complete opposite. And is it just because there's not enough to go around? Is it because I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like we're what six, uh, we're, we're going into week six. I think it's too early to give up to the point where we're giving them away for cheap. Like I'm either holding on or I'm buying for cheap it, it, dynasty wise. If we're talking dynasty uh, for this year, it's tough, right? He's, he's the guy you're going to keep on your bench. You're not going to be comfortable starting unless you, you have a bye week to fill and you hope that he bounces back this season. Can it happen? I, I don't I don't know. Like I, I don't know what the issue is. That's the problem. I don't I don't really know what the issue is right now, why he's not more involved. One thing I think is funny is week one, Duvernay had the two touchdowns and everybody thought it was like fluke because he was <laughs> his 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 number of snaps was was low, his number of routes was low, and we're like, oh, he's, he's just in. a deep threat. But he's been great. And they yeah. and last game they and they've also been using him um in different ways. And it seems like his role is growing a little bit. And Duvernay looks like a thing. So I agree with you, Jared. I I, uh, I think he's probably a buy in Dynasty because I, I believe in his profile. And, you know, at this point, we want receivers attached to Lamar Jackson at this point because he looks so good. <laughs> right. So I agree with you on that. Um, and, and Duvernay's snap shares are actually increasing if you look at him yeah. every game. Like, he started at 52, he's up to 75 the last game. And it literally increases mm-hmm. gradually every game. So you could see he's, he's being he's becoming more more part of that offense. And that does hurt Bateman, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of Duvernay's rise is because Bateman's been out, right? Like I, I, yeah. I still think Bate, I still think Bateman's the top receiver there when he's healthy. I mean, Bateman looked awesome those first two games. I know we didn't see a ton of targets, but he looked awesome. How many um, games does he, he miss? He, the, the, he had the fifty yard fifty yard touchdown uh, week yeah. one, which was just tremendous. Um, right. But yeah, no, I agree with you on that one with the with the Duvernay uh, Bateman. Oh, go by Bateman. Go guy. by Bateman. Jared told you go by Bateman. I love it. <laughs> Keeping this going, Pittsburgh plays Tampa Bay this weekend. I want to talk to you about Najee Harris. Right now he's outside of the top 24 running backs. It's an ugly situation. You're seeing Jalen Warren being used more. And Mike Tomlin confirmed that, said he's going to continue to see an increased role. Do you think that Najee Harris can regain any value this year and help people out? Or do you think he's he's just an RB3, low, low, low-end RB2 type? Yeah, I think he's kind of a low-end RB2 um, because he's not getting the volume that he needs. I mean, he's – He's not going to be a super efficient player. He's not explosive. That's, you know, still a bottom five O-line. I think the offense is going to be better now with Kenny Pick under center, which does help Najee Harris. But Najee Harris is losing third down, a lot of third down snaps to Jalen Warren, which is crazy to me. I did I did not think that was a possibility 
heading into the season. And, you know, those third down snaps are so valuable because, you know, that's what leads to a bunch of targets. So as long as that continues, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for Najee Harris to be more than like a low end RB2. Sell Najee Harris low in Dynasty? Well, that's what's happening. That's what you're seeing out there right now, right? I mean, how low? How low are we talking? I mean, <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll say this as a full disclosure. I offered him and a small piece to the Travis Etienne, James Robinson team, and I was turned down in about two seconds. And he countered back with Kareem Hunt and James Robinson, and I just couldn't do that one. I felt like, you know, I, I, I can't sell him for, for that. But I think if you – it's funny because uh, – you know, after week one, if you would have sent an offer of Najee Harris for Travis Etienne plus, you know, something good, you could have gotten a lot for that. And now it's I think that the dynasty value of Etienne, who hasn't really broken out like we want to see. I know he played well last week, but I feel like in a lot of leagues you can get Najee Harris straight up for ETN and it's kinda of hard to do it on the other way, where the ETN owner is not necessarily making that trade. JD, who would you take if you were on that side of the trade. Between who? You said between who? Najee and Etienne. For, for oh, Etienne. Like it, they're, to me, they're both going in different directions. Like me, in the sense that Harris is a guy, I don't have any Harris. I, I might have a bit in best ball, but I don't have any in dynasty or anything like that. But Etienne, I think he's perfect buy right now. Like perfect buy because James Robinson is doing his early season, first half of the season, you know, imitation of, I don't know, uh, who's the guy I'm thinking about? Who, uh, Arian Foster, whatever you want. <laughs> that was Houston's guy, right? Arian Foster, um, back in the day. But you, you know, we've seen Robinson get hurt. We've seen you're going to see this offense evolve, right? You've got a new coaching staff there, and and they're going to just uncover uh, Etienne. And we talked about it, man. Like Etienne's coming off of injury. We've seen these running backs come off of injury and sl- take time to to get involved, especially the guys that are involved in the passing game. So I think that. By the, end, by the end of the season, you're going to want, in my opinion, you're going to want Etienne over Harris. Steve Wilkes takes over in Carolina this weekend. Thank God Matt Rule is out of the, out of the mix. Uh, fantasy managers were not very big fans of his. Do you have any hope for DJ Moore turning it around <laughs> and, 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 and you know making a success of this season? Uh, it's been very, very hard for DJ Moore managers. He's on a lot of benches right now. I don't have a whole lot of confidence, honestly. Um, I mean, I, it's tough to imagine P.J. Walker being worse than Baker Mayfield was the first five games. But I also don't think Walker's going to be, like, a significant upgrade. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe Moore can give you wide receiver three value the rest of the way, but she hasn't even done that so far. Um, but that, that's – I think that kind of be the best-case scenario at this point. The targets are ticking up um, would be kind of the, the devil's advocate to it. Yeah, but I don't, yeah. I don't have too much hope. Yeah. Yeah, Walker – I mean, uh, Walker's – Walker's made two starts. He's targeted DJ Moore on 29% of his passes in those two starts. So at least he's tried to get the ball to DJ Moore. If he can, you know, get a 29% target share, he'll be okay. Hollywood Brown is wide receiver six overall right now. Um, A couple thoughts on Arizona from you. Uh, First thought is what does DeAndre Hopkins do to the, to the, to the passing game and the, and the overall offense and how does it affect uh, Hollywood Brown? And then I also want to hear your thoughts on this week's either waiver wire darling for a lot of leagues, Eno Benjamin, and a guy that a lot of us have been stashing on benches and we're excited about this weekend. Yeah, I think Hopkins coming back is going to be huge for the Cardinals passing game because it's going to get A.J. Green off the field. A.J. Green's just been totally worthless so far. Um, So I think that's going to be a big upgrade. I mean, to me, 
Hawkins and Brown on the outside and Rondell Moore in the slot. I mean, hopefully that's how they play it. That's how I play it. If I was Cliff Kingsbury, who knows what Cliff's going to actually do. Um, but I, I, that, that's a nice trio. It's going to help Kyler. I think the offense should get going. Um, you know, Marquise Brown's not, he's not going to finish wide receiver six. I think Hopkins returns going to take a bite out of his target share. Um, but I think, I think Brown's going to be fine. Like I, I'd still rather have Marquise Brown than DeAndre Hopkins from week seven forward. I think, I think, Hop, I think Brown will lead that team, uh, in fantasy points. And then, you know, Benjamin, um, what are your thoughts on, Eno yeah. as a player, and maybe your thoughts on him on the on the? It looks like maybe this could be a few weeks of Eno. Yeah, I've never I've never been the biggest fan. I feel like Eno Benjamin has like a hive. I've never really been part of that, but he has looked good this season to me. Um, he's looked better than James Conner to me. I'm I'm curious to see how big of a workload they're gonna gonna give him. I mean, he's a smaller guy. I think he's like 205 pounds. So yeah, I, I think like 12 or so carries, and then a lot of work in the passing game. And you know, he, he couldn't ask for a better matchup this week against Seattle. So I think I'd, I'd be excited to start Benjamin as an RB two this week, and then you know we'll we'll see how big a workload he actually gets. I, I got a question for both of you guys before we we close this bad boy. A lot of people spent a lot of money. I'm not going to name names here on Taysom Hill in tight end premium <laughs> leagues this past this past uh, waiver wire eve. Are, how 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 anxious are you to get him in your lineup, Jared? Yeah, we I talked about this with Matt on our podcast today. I think I rattled off like seven or eight tight ends that I would start over Taysom Hill, and like that's it because he, Hill has a Hill has a floor of like one point, but he has a ceiling of thirty or whatever he just scored, yeah, and like yeah. a, a, every tight end beyond the top seven or eight has a floor of like four points. So I'll, I'll get I'm giving up like two points of floor to get that massive ceiling. I'll, I'll make that trade every time. I spent, I spent up on him in a few leagues, JD. And I, and I, uh, I won him in about one or two leagues. A couple of them, he went North of, of 50%, but I agree with well, you. What was your biggest, what was your biggest spend on him? I think I won. I think I spent something like 35% on a team that really needed a guy, a guy in the tight end spot. And uh, I think that there's a couple of bullish arguments here. First of all, Jared's spot on where we're looking at the at the, the, ceil- the ceiling argument. There's only Mark Andrews and, and Travis Kelsey right now have the same ceiling um, where you can put up a 30-plus point game. As much as we like Dallas Goddard, he's not putting up 30-pointers. So those Taysom Hill already has that. Then you also have the rational coaching argument where he, the guy looks fantastic when he's in the Wildcat. Why wouldn't they make that part of their weekly plan and give him, you know, uh, uh, some extra snaps compared to where he's been at. Um, and I think that it's just it's kind of a it's kind of a weird situation where you need to be willing to take a zero in your lineup, but the tight end spot is so ugly, like Jared said, that why not put in a guy with a ceiling? So yeah, I'm with you, Jared. I mean, the guy's tight end seven overall. And he's tight end three in points per game right now. So it's it is it is wild wild times. You playing him or Kittle, Theo? You want Hill or, oh, I'm playing, Hill or oh, Kittle? I'm, I'm I'm playing George Kittle. I'm I, you yeah. know I'm not I'm not doing that. All right, Jared. Remind the peeps where they can find all your greatness. We appreciate you hanging with us tonight. We'll close this bad boy out. Yeah, all my content and rankings are on DraftRacks.com, and then you can follow me at SmolaDS on Twitter. Awesome. Theo, you rocked the questions. Dude, you rocked it today with Leone. Guys, if you did not watch Theo's show, his press coverage today, one-on-one with Mike Leone, go check it out from ETR. And um, what do we have coming up, Theo? 
So uh, Monday night will be on another tailgate with uh, with Vlad Sedler, um, who's a very very sharp guy from FTN. Um, high stakes people know him. He does the Fab Whisperer article on on FTN, which is excellent. He's also a very well known uh, high stakes baseball guy. So it'll be good to have him in the district for the first time. And then Tuesday night we're going to be joined by Josh Larkey of the thirty third team, who's been in the district a number of times, uh, a friend of ours, and. Uh, we're really excited to get a chance to talk talk to uh, to Josh on Tuesday. Shout out to the chat as usual. Smash the like, the subscribe, guys. Good luck tonight. Enjoy this powerhouse game, and we'll check you all. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Awesome show, fellas. I think we got a question for every single game except for Dallas.